Hey, Mom Nation. Welcome to Mental Wealth with Laura Wood and Katie Holly Lambert, where we talk through generational trauma so we can leave a new legacy for our children. Counselor Laura is with Beneviri Counseling out of Chandler, Arizona, and you can find her on Facebook, on the web, or by the link in the show notes. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. It is our monthly mental wealth show. It's Katie and the wonderful, amazing counselor, Laura. Hello, Laura. Hello. How are you? doing so good. Awesome. Awesome. Doing good. So good to see you as always. So if you guys are just catching up with us, you're not really sure what this is all about. This is our monthly show where we go over like individual mental health stuff, stuff that we don't want to pass on to our kids. Cause we know, I mean, I don't know about you all or you, Laura, you probably do know. I got lots of stuff <laughs> oh, passed down through the generations. That yeah. isn't really my stuff. Yeah baggage is what we call that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, tons of it. I have tons of baggage as well. And we bring it with us everywhere we go. And unfortunately that includes, we're carrying it while we're also trying to parent. Yeah. So this is the show where we talk about those things, talk through those things, help you identify those things. And if it serves you remove them from your life, which is a really great segue into today's topic, but something super exciting is happening. Laura, I didn't even tell you this. So, um, you know, our podcast, so this is a little different from our podcast, you know, our podcast from the heart. Okay. Mom nation podcast. We're in like season bazillion. Um, we decided to change our podcast channel and we're changing it to mom nation talk radio. And all of our shows, including this one, this is going to be the first one that gets pushed through Mom Nation Talk Radio. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Right? I get the chance. I can't wait. I know, me too. So Awesome. Yeah. So if you guys want to catch us there, um, in the show notes, I have information on how you can follow us on YouTube if you want to, but definitely your favorite podcast platform. Hit subscribe. Give us a like. Give us a listen. Give us a download because uh, we love doing this and we hope that it's really beneficial to you. And there's so many different topics too. So not to get off track, but like with what we do here, mental wealth, where we talk about kind of individual and parenting and generational stuff, we, you guys also have so many other things, right? Through mom nation that we are learning about couples and we learn about finances and we learn about how to just be more of a self-actualized woman and mother. And there's just, there's more than just, uh, there's something for everyone. I think that uh, as a collection, as a sort of channel, that's really exciting. I can't wait. I'm really Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. And we felt the same. And it's actually one of our group members had the idea months ago. Her really? name is Heidi. And she's like, you just need to, you know, push it all through that channel. And I couldn't, you know how sometimes when you hear an idea and you kind of can't wrap your brain around it <laughs> and, then, and then you have to like sit with it for a few minutes. Absolutely. She, she was right. A hundred percent. Totally right. So thank you, Heidi. Yeah, that's really cool. Good idea, Heidi. Yeah. So today, first show going through Mom Nation Talk Radio. And uh, I want to talk about stress because I feel like a lot of us deal with it. In fact, I have never met a mom. Comment below if you are a mom that has never felt stress. Right. <laughs> Crickets. I need, I need sound effects. Yeah. Said no one ever. Said no one ever. So there's lots of things that I've, I've realized. And I was just telling Laura before we popped on the show it only took me 43 years to get here, but, um, there are several things that were stressing me out in my life that I didn't necessarily pick up on. Like I didn't realize, Hey, this is a toxic friendship that maybe you shouldn't be involved in anymore because every time you think about this person or they reach out to you, you feel kind of icky and it's just that causes stress. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) I don't know why, like, I don't know why it's taken me this long to, to figure out the things that make my belly icky. Is it normal? Like, do you see this in your clients? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's totally normal. There's always, so one of my colleagues, um, who we kind of get together with, I get together with every week to just like stay up to date. And we talk about trainings and different modalities, different things. Um, she said, we don't do things that don't make sense. So I say that all the time. We don't do things that don't make sense. Um, There's always a benefit to not dealing with the thing, 
So not dealing with it by not acknowledging it, not realizing it, not noticing it enough, like, right, like not bringing it, making it explicit was serving a purpose, right? So yeah, it's totally not, we avoid so many things constantly because of whatever reason, right? Like if let's say we're avoiding a toxic friendship, like avoiding sort of confronting a friend, cause like who likes confrontation, yeah, right? No one avoiding it because we don't want them to like lash out and like post negatively about us on social or, you know, we don't, so we're, so fear can make us not acknowledge that stuff. Um, conflict, uh, can make us not acknowledge that stuff, accepting that there could be consequences that can make us not acknowledge that stuff. Right. Like, so there's secondary gains. Like, so for example, if I acknowledge that my work environment is toxic and it's stressing me out and it's like damaging to my mental health or even my physical health, well, then what am I going to have to do? Am I going to have to like get a new job? That's scary as hell. Am right. I going to, what am I going to do? Right. So minimizing that is often a way for us to just like maintain the status quo, right. In a lot of ways. Well, and I think the same thing can be true for relationships also, like you said, like what are the things that we are afraid of, or maybe there's a comfort level there. Maybe there's, um, you know, I don't know. Um, status is what's coming to mind, but I don't know if that's the right word. Like, oh, there's all these people like me, but all these people stress me out. And you know what I mean? Why do we have to be liked? Well, because we don't want to be alone. I'd rather be, okay. So this has been my kind of, ah, sorry, my chair's wiggly and I just started (laughs) getting, anyway. um, So my line lately has been to kind of help people understand like why we tolerate the stuff that we tolerate in our life. Right. There we go. Um, I'd rather be abused than abandoned. Like, let's sit that for a second. Just take that in. It's crazy, but is it because abused and abandoned? The abuse is still attention. The abuse is still survival. Being alone. Isn't how we continue our species. Right. Right. It's biological. It's not logical in any way. It's not about the, I don't know, like we talk about the attention. Attention means different things to different people, I think, but it's not as much about like attention. It's about being not alone. Like included. Included. Yes, that. Yeah. So if I need to take your abuse because you're including me, then I will. But we are so scared sometimes of losing that attention in terms of that acceptance, that self, that feeling of accepted, that feeling of I'm enough because these people think I'm enough. Sometimes we're so scared of losing that because we don't think we're enough on our own. And we don't recognize that it's okay to lose this particular person or this relationship because that's not we have to sort of talk ourselves through that. Like that's not going to lead to the deep sense of aloneness that equals sort of like death of the human species. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. but that's really where it's coming from. We'll tolerate a lot before we'll be alone. Even to the point where it makes you sick. Cause we all know that stress makes you sick. I mean, it causes so many ailments, uh, you know, I mean, let's just rattle off a few people with digestion issues. Um, yeah. you know, a lot of autoimmune conditions, um, uh, like autoimmune disorders are often, uh, exacerbated or sort of even triggered by stress because stress limits your immune system. It sort of activates a lot of different things in your body that don't necessarily need to be activated at that time. Um, blood sugar stuff, um, weight stuff, heart stuff, Right. You know, muscle stuff like tension, inflammation, um, limits your ability to really like focus and, um, limits your ability to sort of like relax and center yourself and get good sleep. So if you can't get good sleep, then your body can't rejuvenate cellular rejuvenation happens when we rest, right? Like REM sleep clears our mind and organizes information. We can't do that without those things. So stress is damaging on a lot of levels. 
you can't eliminate all stress, but you can at least curate a little bit. We're going to prune a little bit, right now, you know, <laughs> prune a little bit, prune it up. Yeah. Cause then the tree will grow. You always have to yeah. prune it. Um, but that makes a lot of sense. And then when you're stressed out in these things, you know, you're starting to see these things like lack of sleep and waking and, and, um, lack of focus. So maybe you're forgetting things or, you know, it's causing some other problems in your life that causes more stress. So right, it's like, right? when, where does it stop? You know, yeah. it is, it, you're right. It's absolutely, it just is like a cycle. So it stops when we stop it, we have to manually insert a stopping point. We have to manually insert like, okay, I see this is happening, this cycle. And I want to not have that happen anymore. So that's when we kind of insert new behavior because there are things that we're going to have to deal with. Like the example that you came up with, Hey, my job stresses me out, but I need to keep my job. So right. exactly. what are some different things? Like if somebody came to you and they were like, Hey, in that situation, my job's really stressing me out. Maybe it's the way things are run. Maybe it's, I got too much on my plate, too much workload. Um, you know, maybe it's the people, what are some things that I can do personally mm. to still stay in the job, still work there, still do the things that I need to do, but be a little bit more true to myself, be a little bit more calm. Um, you, you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I do. And, um, I have a lot of clients who experience this, right. Where it's like, I'm so stressed out about my work meetings. Like I get panicky before I go in. Right. So the best thing that we can do when we're going to endure a stressful situation, right? Like we know we're going to have to encounter stress. We know whether that's a family reunion, a high school reunion, a job, uh, whatever, right? Um, we know we're about to experience stress. So what are we going to do? We're going to get, we're going to give ourselves the space for that. So what I mean by space is settle before you enter. So kind of saying to yourself, like, okay, I know I'm about to experience a stress situation. Let me check in on how stressful that needs to be. What's the worst case? So I like to play the worst case scenario game. That's one of my favorites. What's the worst case scenario, right? Play that out and then decide like, okay, am I going to, this is another one that is sounds silly, but like, am I going to die? Honestly? No, I'm not. Okay, cool. So the worst case scenario. Uh, okay. I could probably handle that. Not going to die. What can I do if this person says this, like, what are my options? Right. So I can kind of anticipate like what's the stressful part. What part is the part that drives what's the worst part. So the worst part is, you know, when this person talks down to me or is kind of whatever, right. Like maybe somebody's passive aggressive or condescending or something like that. That pisses me off. I have to say it. So then I can be like, okay, what can I do in that situation? I could be like, okay, it's not personal. I'm just going to ignore it. Whatever. So you kind of go in with a game plan on how are you going to manage the situation at hand, but for what it is, mm -hmm. right? Because it's not everything. It's just this one meeting. It's just one hour, one weekend, one whatever. I can teach myself how to isolate this event from all the other events in the past. And I can come in with more space for just this one event, right? Because when I come in amped up and stressed out, I'm coming in with all that baggage that we talked about in the beginning, right? Like I'm bringing that with me, yeah. all this ideas that like, oh, this has happened a million times before. And this is what that means. And they don't like me and they think I'm the worst. And I'm, you know, all these things that we're bringing in, we're not leaving enough space to actually interact and deal with the situation. The situation that's actually happening now, not mm -hmm. the situations that have already happened in the past that made me actually be so stressed out about this. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like don't bring all the other stuff. Another thing too, I think is important. Just using that same scenario. We have a few comments. So I was just checking them out is mm -hmm. I mean, did you ever enter something that you were nervous about or was that stressed you out and you went there hangry? Like, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. You yeah. know, like make sure those basic needs are met. Um, do your best to get there maybe a little bit early. So -hmm. then you're not feeling rushed. You can take a minute in your car or on the bus or whatever, you know, and, and 
get maybe a little breath work, talk to Aaron call over at soul naked CEO, get some breath work, you know, like get some tools like that. Yeah. Really like that because there are things that we're just going to have to do maybe mm -hmm. even repeatedly that are stressful and right. ways of making it easier on ourselves. Well, there's lots of benefit in that, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And I love what you're saying about basic needs, right? Like that's part of giving yourself space. Like we have a window of tolerance. And so our window can fill up, right? Or like get bigger and smaller based on our, our state of our bodies, our state of our system. So like if I'm dehydrated, if I'm in pain, um, if I'm hungry, if I'm already angry about something else, if I'm tired because I haven't slept in 24 hours, like those are all things that limit my capacity to tolerate stress effectively, mm -hmm. right? Like how many of you can relate to that? Like I'm exhausted and I'm super duper hungry. And my kids are all like yelling at each other and fighting and hitting each other, you know, and somebody just broke something. Mm -hmm. I'm way more likely to lose it. If I've, if I'm exhausted and I'm hungry and I'm, you know, all these other things. Right. But I can be cool ish. Right. Cause that's a lot. What I just, that is a lot. That's so just, like, I, can be, I can be cool ish and actually like handle my children like an adult if i have had a good night's sleep if i've eaten something today if i've you know given myself 3 seconds to just like orient myself to like what's happening like oof i'm about to have to go do this let me just get right with myself before i do mm -hmm. that's the space but as moms too like I don't know if we were just taught this or if it just has been passed down from generation to generation, but how many times do you skip a meal because kids or, you know, do you, are you up all night because one's sick and, you know, kids, it, it's just, it's really, really tough as a mom. We have such a big job on our hands and we, you know, I feel like have been sort of trained away from caring for ourselves. Like when does that happen? <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. It's a funny question. When does that happen? I don't know. I think by, this is something that's super important is me first, right? So me first, that means I have to be okay before I can help you become okay. Mm -hmm. It's only so, fair. Me first. If I'm total basket case and I am exhausted and I'm not thinking clearly and I'm so stressed out and I feel out of control and helpless. Like I'm not going to do an incredibly wonderful job at like helping my children feel like things are in control and that they are okay. And that they're, they're and I can help them be safe. Right. Cause that's our message to our kids all the time needs to be, I got you. You're safe here. I got you. I am your, I've got this like under control. We're going to get through it. I'm, I got you. Mm -hmm. And we can't do that when we're like out of it. And when we're feeling helpless, like helplessness and hopelessness as mothers, I think I might've mentioned this on another episode, but the feeling of helplessness and hopelessness, that internal experience in a mother is one of like the leading contributors to disorganized attachment and depression and, um, you know, can really impact the way that you raise your kid, can really impact the way that your child experiences the world and safety and life and growth and stability and regulation. And it makes a lot of sense. And what are we teaching them to like, yeah. If we're constantly a basket case mm -hmm. and we're not eating because of stressed out too many things to do, what are we training? Yeah. You we're, know? Yeah. Like they're looking at us for so much more and probably more than we think they're watching, um, yeah. you know, for, for so much guidance and, and we're really that, that role model, right? That's what we are. And so now they're going to start in that cycle mm -hmm. at what age? Yeah. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's been interesting to me again, 43 and it took me this well, No. And I realized this a couple of years ago. So holidays would come up like big holidays, like Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever. And for yeah. some reason I would find myself in a bad mood, like 
I don't not love holidays. I love everything about holidays, but that day would come and we would get together with the family and I just, everything was wrong. And I had so many problems and issues and wasn't happy. And I started to think about it. Cause you know, I've been really going back into like childhood and all of that stuff. And I started to thinking about it. And one of my caregivers growing up was always grouchy mm. at holidays and like yeah. pick fights with other family members and like just was kind of not that cool to us kids. And so it just kind of put a real damper on our whole experience. You know what I mean? But yeah, I feel like kids are, again, they're picking up they're they're mimicking and maybe not even realizing it. So if we're not taking care of us, what are we teaching them? You know? Yeah, no, that's such a good example because our kids are really going to like internalize that. So then whatever is our trigger is going to become their trigger. Yeah. Right. Whether they know it or not, like, right. I didn't know why holidays were pissing me off. They were just pissing me off until I finally started to think about it really hard. Like what have been, been my past experiences? And I was, it's, it's almost like it's more comfortable for me to be pissed off on the holiday. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because it's like trained. It's like, well, I'm anticipating that everybody's going to suck. Stuff's going to go wrong. You know, whatever, like I'm internally sort of uncon, like, uh, implicitly, like I'm not cognitive. I'm not, this isn't like consciously, but my expectation is that everything is going to be bad during the holiday. So why then would I be excited about that? Right. So we're training those behaviors. We're training our kids to feel however they're going to feel. And when we are not taking care of ourselves, we're sort of frustrating them a lot of the time. Right. So like our kids see so much, oh my gosh, they see way more than we give them credit for. They totally understand so much more than we give them credit for. But a child is biologically designed to like control and maintain their parents' affect. So what I mean by that is they are going to need us to be in a good mood. They want us to be okay so that they can be okay. Because if something's wrong with me, that impacts their safety. Mm -hmm. So their sense of safety and security is dependent on my stability my emotional stability. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. So imagine, let's say if you're on like a plane, an airplane and the pilot is like, Oh shit, guys. Like, I don't know what to do. We're going down. Right. Like (laughs) you're going to be like, what do you mean? You don't know what to do. Like what? Like that's going to make your sense of like security in this plane, like very, very bad. Like So we are doing this to our kids in a similar way because our kids, so we don't necessarily realize this, but like our kids are designed to control our parents' affect because that the more I can make my mom happy, the more likely it is that she's going to take care of me and meet my needs. Mm. The more I can do to help her get in a better mood or the more I can do to not cause a fuss or the more I can do, right? Like, so like we sort of, we're trying so hard to like help our parents be okay in order for us to maintain our own safety. And when we have a stressed out mom or dad or whoever, right. We have a stressed out person and caregiver, then we're essentially in danger all the time. We're so now we're insecure as humans. Generally life is scary, dangerous. People, places, things, everything's dangerous because my mom never knows what to do. My mom is always freaking out. Everything's a big deal. I don't have safety to feel the way I feel because every time I get upset or mad, she freaks out. I don't have safety to talk about the things that I want to talk about because every time I tell her my opinions on things, she tells me that I should think about it a different way. I don't have safety to express my hurt because somebody hurt me at school because every single time I do they, you know, tell me how I should think about what the other person was going through. Mm. Right. So like, 
as parents, we're constantly trying to like correct and evaluate our children's like, um, I don't know, effectiveness at being yeah good. their performance in the world their performance yeah 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 so we're performance reviewing our kids all the time so when we're doing that and most of the time we're just stressed out and don't know what to do we're always kind of being like Ugh, like I don't know I just need to I, like I just can't right now mm -hmm. then we're basically saying everything you're doing is wrong but I have no idea how to fix it mm -hmm. that's the message so of course you're like, I literally am the most insecure person on the planet. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm terrified of everything. I have no security, no stability at all. That's why we need to, me first. Yeah, you know, something that you just said reminded me of a conversation that I had with my eight-year-old the other day and I felt so bad. Like I had to stop mm. and sit with him for a minute and like have a talk because he said, um, so we both, my husband and I work from home and he's been home tomorrow's first day of school. So he's been home and he said something to me. It was earlier this week. And he said, so I'm going to go and play over my friend's house, just right in the neighborhood, like really close. I'm going to go play over my friend's house. And then that way, you know, you don't have an annoying kid asking questions while you work. Oh, wow. I'm like, whoa, bro. What do you, have I ever said that? Or like, why do you think that? Yeah. How'd you learn that? So we had to talk about it and, you know, we work all hours of the day and night. And it's not that I don't do my best to carve out time where I spend it just with him. I do that, but there are times, and it seems like, can anybody else relate? It seems like every freaking time you get on your phone, like to answer something, <laughs> yeah. they're like, oh, no, 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 can I have this? What color is this in Spain? Like, you know what I mean? And <laughs> just let me handle this client. Be right back with you. And so yeah. maybe... I just kind of come off like, hold please. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we, we have no control over perception, mm -hmm. right? Like how are they feeding this in and how are they processing it? And oh, break my heart. So we had a long talk about that, but you know, I like to think that I'm pretty, um, everybody processes, but that I, you know, pay attention and I, I catch myself and I'm like, you know, a pretty, um, for the most part, effective parent. Mm -hmm. Um, but shit, you, yeah, you just, nobody's perfect. Like nobody's perfect. And it, um, it really does affect our kids, but so there's times when it happens once in a while. And then there's times when it's a constant, right. Um, and maybe there are no ba like back conversations about that, um, you know, between parent and child. And I feel like that causes so much you had a word for it you probably will know because that's your bag but it causes like a separation between mm. you know i feel like, the, like there's a, now like a breach like um like, like between a, you and the kid you mean yeah, yeah yeah like now they're like you were just kind of explaining now well maybe you're not going to hear so much about things at school oh because, yeah you know so like there's this communication mm -hmm. barrier Mm -hmm. you yeah, know? defensiveness, right? Against feeling rejected. Like, because we don't want to be, if I'm like super excited, if I call you and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this thing. And you're just like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, you're never going to call me back. <laughs> I'm going to be like, Ugh. right? So, like, <laughs> that sucks. Now I feel bad. I would never I do that to you. <laughs> I know. And I, but like, that's kind of like the thing about how we interact with our kids sometimes. And we can't be perfect, but what we can do is we can give ourselves the best odds, right? So we have, you know, and I used to think about this, this used to actually really bother me as a single mom. So all you single moms out there, please know that it is harder. It's harder. It's harder to be present. It's harder to be there. It's hard, like, yep. Everything that you're feeling like about like how this doesn't apply to me because I don't have a choice. You're right. It is true. Harder. <laughs> it's harder. And so yeah. we have less, we have less resources by way of human capital, right? We have less resources by way of time sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. So if I have multiple kids and a two-parent household, then it would I could help two kids at a time. I can't do that as a single mom, right? Like so right. if I have a single income or if I have if I have you know financial distress and I have two incomes, like that's different than now I have to have two jobs. Right. So that takes me away more often. If I'm relying on other people that are not me and not my family to take care of my kid, 
I can't control those interactions, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's not reasonable for me to police every single interaction that another person, like the neighbor or the village that's helping me raise my kids is doing. I can't do, I can't control that. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. So like, I want, I really just think it's so critical that this audience understands that that's accounted for here because you don't have to be perfect. You have the odds stacked against you in terms of time. Sometimes that's okay. Right. The difference is that when you are with your kids, that's when you're going to work the hardest, right. In terms of balancing that out. So it's going to be harder to find balance, to find the time to have the economic resources, whatever, if that's your situation, but that doesn't mean you can't do it Mm -hmm. harder a little bit. Right. So it creates a little bit extra. There's some few extra steps in the process. Right. And you can still interact with your kids in a healthy way when you have to work 17 jobs and you have to do all these other things. Like, because we can say to our kids, like the difference between just being gone all the time and like interacting in a healthy way is to say like, I am here with you when I'm here, right? Like I'm here with you. I'm your source of support. And I can prove that by basically giving that support anytime that the kids need it and offering them to understand that it's not always going to come exactly when they need it. Right. So I can say kind of like, I'm trying to think of how to word this, but I might be able to say like right now, I have to be, go, I have to be at work. Right. So I really want to hear about your day. That was so exciting. And I want to do that with you. Right. But I, right now I have to be at work. And so I'm really excited about Saturday morning when we can chat. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're just, you're sort of letting them know, like I'm with you. It's just not right this second. I don't have the time to experience you right now. I, you know, to share this experience with you right now. Mm-hmm. And that's enough. Good enough. You did it. That's all. It doesn't take a ton of hours. You know, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I'm not a single mom. So kudos to you all that do it. I was brought up by a single mom, so I totally get it. But I have this incredibly strong mom guilt, Laura. Yeah. And I I was having a conversation with myself earlier today. <laughs> you know how we do that? Yes, I do. And I was like, cause he's starting school tomorrow and in a, and I work and I work a lot. Yep. And, um, but that doesn't mean that I don't do my best to carve out time. And he, he gets attention. He gets me yep. every day. Um, but you know, sometimes I feel like it's not enough. And I was just telling myself earlier today, well, Hey, Last week we went out and we shopped in first school clothes together. And that was super fun. And that was, you know, a couple of hours and that was spending time together. Yeah. We were checking stuff off the checklist, but it was cool. You know, it was just us and we had a great time. And then, you know, last week we went to Pangea with some friends and had to spend a couple of hours doing that. So I'm like kind of talking myself off the ledge. Yeah. Like, yeah. For sure. Does he really need you in his face every two seconds? No, it's probably good for him not have you in his space. Yeah. Don't do that. Not only does he not need that, that's not helpful. That's counterintuitive. Like counterproductive. Yeah. Right. But I'm like, you know what, mom, again, comment, right. Karen just said, mom guilt is intense. It's why like, Oh, I, the pathology of mom guilt, right. It's going to come from everywhere, right. It's going to be the pathology of your mom guilt is going to be different than mine. Hmm. Right. So what we are overcompensating for is all different, but I'm overcompensating for something. Mm -hmm. Right. So we all are sort of trying to make up for something. And it's usually something within us. It could be anything. I don't know. Right. Where it stems from. But what I can know is that those comments, those conversations with yourself are really helpful. Right. Because it's important to know that like good enough is good enough. There's actually a book and I, I wish I could cite the author right now. Um, but it's uh, called good enough parenting and, or the good enough parent or something like that. And essentially it's describing the premise that like, you don't have to be perfect. 
Matter of fact, if you're not perfect, then you're allowing opportunities for relationship repair. And that's a trust building exercise, right? So if I'm expecting everybody to be perfect, well, how well is that going to set me up? <laughs> not very. Right? If I have a perfect mother, then I'm expecting my everybody to be perfect and totally attuning to me all the time and like giving me everything. Like, why would I, why would I ever have the skills to tolerate any type of rupture? I wouldn't. Mm, that does not set you up well for what is real uh, at all. <laughs> right. So the repair is as important as the doing it right in the first place. Like you can't be perfect, but you can teach your kids how to interact and how to engage. It's really important for our kids to understand how to self-regulate, right? Exactly. So important. Exactly. Or, you know, if I was to be in his face all day, every day, how would he learn how to be alone or how would he learn how to be self-sufficient? So when he goes off and becomes an adult in this world, how the hell is he going to do it? Yeah. And he would probably think that he can't do anything himself. He would, he would believe about himself that he's not capable. He wouldn't understand his own capacities. Right. Because he thinks that he can't do anything without you. Right. He doesn't know how to do it. He can't do it. Right. So that's a, internalizing that. I think we've met some men like that in our lifetime. I mean, <laughs> I maybe, like, <laughs> maybe it's happened. I'm sure. But little joke, teehee. <laughs> but I think, no, I think that's so important though. It's so important to acknowledge the guilt. Like you're never going to not be guilty. Like, look, it's your parent, you're going to mess it up. None of us get out of the unscathed, as my trainer would say, when I like was first learning how to work with kids and EMDR and trauma and stuff. That was one thing that she said. She said, none of us get out of this unscathed. Mm. Like, yeah, we carry stuff. We have stuff. Everybody has stuff. Everybody has a one and a 10, no matter how good your life is. Some tens are just objectively different, right? Like, so some tens are more objectively specific, like traumatic than other people's tens, but everybody's not a 10, right? Like, so, um, I just think that it's really important. We allow ourselves a little bit of slack because what makes healthy kids, healthy, well-adjusted kids are kids who feel secure and safe. Mm-hmm. People who feel loved, accepted, and safe don't go out and hurt other people. Right. People who feel loved, accepted, and safe don't go out and create chaos in our communities. They're good citizens. They're good humans. They're they're they delivering what they need to the world. Right. Like they're contributing members of society. That's what we're trying to build. When they're not assholes. We're not. We all want to raise kids who aren't assholes. Right. Like how right. many of us? How many of us have said that? Like, just be like, just, I don't want you to be an asshole. Like, right? that's it. Then so, you've succeeded for me. <laughs> that's all right. Like, that's all we need is to make sure that our kids are physically and emotionally safe and know that they are loved and accepted and that they are secure because that's going to give them what they need in order to go out into the world and not release, unleash their trauma on others. Exactly. The rest of the world. So right? true. Like we need a little bit of that in the world. Um, last question. Mm. So you work with a lot of little kids, well, little-ish kids, younger, little-ish. younger yeah. children. Mm-hmm. So do you see, and I'm sure you see a lot of different things, but is there like a certain age or a certain, um, thing that you see repeatedly Like, when do kids start getting stressed out? Like, I'm trying to figure out when in my lifetime I started to be stressed out about everything. That's a good question. So it really depends on the kid. It depends on their experience. A lot of times stress comes in different ways. So like stress in littler kids can come in like temper tantrums and shutdown. Oh, okay. Right. So like if my kid is having a lot of temper tantrums and for like not really a clear like reason that's an indication that there's something going on. They're stressed out, right? Mm-hmm. Cause stress is going to mean when I say stress, I mean, distress, I mean, sort of a, um, internal dysregulation. So shutdown is going to be when they just don't have the, they don't have the logic. They don't have the sort of language to be able to sort of work themselves through whatever's going on. So shutdown is a mechanism to basically avoid, um, the, the stressful situation. 
Mm-hmm. So Sorry, you'll get a lot of like, yeah. I'm fine. I don't feel any type of way. Like I don't, whatever, like everything's fine, you know, whatever. So when you have kids who are just like, you can tell that there's something up, but like, they're not talking about it. That's okay. They don't have to talk about it, but just know that they might be stressed and they maybe need you to like sit on the couch and like hang out a little bit. So making them talk about it, it's even more stressful. So you just accept it, do less. So that's a hard thing, but generally stress comes in many forms. Like with littler kids, it's like temper tantrums and shutdown. As they get into like more language and school, then they start to get stressed out about their interactions, like whether or not people are going to like them, whether or not they're going to be acceptable, whether or not. So we can help them mitigate that by allowing them to know that they are good enough. They're acceptable. They're deserving of good things. No matter how they behave, doesn't give anyone else the right to treat them badly. They deserve good things. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I think I wrote down something, actually, I'm going to look it up because it was like a whole thing. I was like, oh my gosh, this needs to be like tattooed. It's like, so I was thinking about this the other day, actually, as I was working with some of my kids that come in to see me and I was really feeling like, how can, what, what messaging do we need? Right parent messaging. Like that's my new thing. Um, I think I've said, I have like six new things today, (laughs) but basically it's the idea that here we go. You are interesting. You're worth my time and you're not a burden. Yeah. Right. You're interesting. You're worth my time and you're not a burden. If we could make sure our little kids know that, then we would like minimize their stress on a lot of levels. Oh, and, and I, I hear just, I know a lot of people and I meet a lot of people and I witness a lot of things and I hear moms kind of like joke when their kids are in earshot, Mm -hmm. how much of a pain in the ass they are. I was so guilty of that when my kids were little, that was, I was so guilty of that. I'm a sarcastic asshole guys. Like that's, And I didn't realize that that was hurting them. Yeah. Because you may think I don't really mean that I'm just chilling with my girls and then just making jokes and stuff, but they're hearing it. Yeah. And it's embarrassing them probably first and foremost. And that's what they're like. You can't control perception. That's my new thing. That's what I've been saying for the last couple of days. Like you just can't control perception. So what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Cause we do that right. As moms, like we think, cause it's so funny and like, we're just trying to blow off steam and yeah. rant and vent and whatever. And it's embarrassing them and it's hurting them. And it's, they're internalizing that they don't, like you said, they perceive, they don't forget that. And they don't know what your jokes are. They don't know. They right. Can't know. Especially if you're like, oh my gosh, can you give me a minute later? Right. Like we're going to back those comments up, those jokes that we made they're jokes. We don't mean that. Right. Like we're going to back it up with our behaviors later when we end up getting stressed out and like, right. So it's like, it all kind of comes together. It's, it's, we have to just be mindful of ourselves. Me first. Yeah. If I'm not okay, then I don't have the skills and tools I need in order to help my child feel okay. And I don't think it's selfish. Like you know, I feel like Punkett says, I like what she said. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't, I don't think it's selfish. And I think a lot of us feel guilty that it's selfish. Yeah. Like we shouldn't take care of ourselves. Well, who the hell will, if we mm-hmm. don't like, I don't see people lining up at my door, ready to take care of me. No, it is our responsibility as adults to take care of ourselves. It is our responsibility as adults to take care of ourselves first and make sure that we have the tools that we need in order to be effective in our jobs, in our personal lives, in our relationships, in our, as an individual and as a parent. And that means that if we are not saying to ourselves, like, okay, how can I at least learn some grounding skills so that I can be calm enough to treat my kids the way they deserve to be treated, even when I'm stressed out, Mm -hmm. 
if I'm not going to give myself those grounding skills, like that makes me selfish. Right. And it's not them. It's not them. Well, maybe it's them. Like maybe they have to work on some things too. You know what of I mean? But it's, yeah. But it's not always like, well, if they would just, if they would no. just act this way, no, you, you got to deal here because mm-hmm. this is all you have control over. Well, not only that, but like, if I'm relying on, let's like play that out. If I'm relying on my three-year-old to behave appropriately in order to maintain my own internal stability, I'm literally, what am I literally asking my three-year-old to stabilize me as an adult? Yes. Seriously? Like that just doesn't make any sense. And I, as a mom of little kids, when I was younger, I didn't know how to do, I didn't have those tools. So I did feel like I needed my kids to be okay in order for me to be okay. That was how I, I relied on my kids for my own emotional stability mm-hmm. for years until I realized like, oh, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. It's the other way around. <laughs> it makes sense. Right. Like why would they, how would, no, like me first. That's what that means is that I, they rely on me for emotional stability. Right. Oh, okay. So that means I have to be emotionally stable. Yikes. Got a lot of work to do. Cut to several years of therapy. Like that's, that's how it works guys. Like we have an obligation to take care of ourselves. We have an obligation to sort of, um, I don't know, curate our baggage, clear it out a little bit, like sort through, you know, yard sale, that shit, like clean clean your damn closet, clean it up because we owe it to our kids because no matter how bad their behavior is, they don't deserve to be demeaned, abused, screamed at. They don't deserve to be embarrassed. Right. They don't deserve to be berated, name called. If you wouldn't tolerate it, well, if it shouldn't be tolerated in an emotional, in a romantic relationship, it's not tolerate. It shouldn't be tolerated with your kids. Totally agree. That's hard to learn. And this is not coming from like a judgmental place of like, do better. This is coming from a place of like, I have been there too, in these situations where I felt out of control and I felt like I didn't have the tools that I needed. I was a traumatized person having kids hoping that they're not traumatized people. Like it's, you know, I've been through this myself. And so I really just really want it to be sort of explicit that this isn't about like, if you've done it, you're bad. You're not right. Like you're not, but here's an opportunity to get new information so that you can do it different because you doesn't, you don't have to feel like that. Right. And, and you can go back and repair. I mean, you absolutely know, you can, I guess the difference between having a conversation with a three-year-old and a 16 year old obviously is going to be two different things, but we've talked about that a lot of times on this show. I mean, even just earlier in, in, in this particular episode, we talked about it when my kid came to me and, you know, kind of made that comment about being annoying or whatever. Um, yeah that's when you have to stop though. I feel like, and take a moment and have the talk like kind of right then. Yeah. It's so critical, um, to just be like, oof, that was my bad. Like I, that was not about you. I totally just reacted based on the stress of my work day. So let me start over. Right. And that's all it takes. Right. And he said it though. So here's the part I really want to hang on for a minute. He said it kind of in a jokey way. Uh He wasn't sad. So I had two choices. I could have not recognized it as, as a truth that he was speaking and been like, yeah, it's true. Get out of here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Buddy, good looking out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Or did I ever say that? Did you ever like, cause I, I can't imagine that ever came out of my mouth. And luckily he was like, no, but I could have chosen to just brush it off. And then I wouldn't have had that opportunity to have some repair, to have sort of a a closer experience now. Mm -hmm. So now we've had that talk and now that talk went really well. And, you know, mom apologized and now hopefully he doesn't still feel like that. And so that brought us closer, right? Definitely. Builds trust. Right. It builds trust. And when we sort of, face the facts 
that we are doing too much. We have too much in our lives that's stressing us out that we need to curate, right? And we sort of face the facts that like, hey, it's time for me to do something differently. Like you were saying, like, it's time for me to recognize that this is toxic or that this is too much or that I'm taking on too much. Like, it's really, it's really important that we do that because what we're also doing is we're validating ourselves. So as an adult, let's say you're in, let's say you didn't repair and you have all these experiences and multiple instances of like constant misattunements with your kid. And now he's an adult. Well, you can't reparent him. He's an adult now. Right. So you don't get to repair that later, but he can repair himself. So for all of us who are now adults, we're not looking for our parents to repair the damage that they did. Right. We, that's our job now that's on us. So the good news is when you teach yourself and prove it to yourself that you can do it now, you can repair, that you can be okay now, that you can accept yourself now, that you can love yourself now, that you can take care of yourself now, that you can keep yourself safe now, and that you have choices and control now, that is worth every difficult second of confronting the truth about how stressed out you really are and how much work you need to really do in order to give yourself more space in your life. Totally agree. I totally agree. And it's so important. And, you know, we may be running at such a high speed that we're not even paying attention to, or even realize how poorly we feel physically or how, you know, foggy we are mentally or, um, just how angry we are, (laughs) That's you know, you know, and, and so we're reacting, maybe we're doing it on social media. Maybe, you know, somebody makes a post that just triggers us and we take, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like, you know, um, anyway, we're out of time, girl. Dang it. I know. It was such a good happens talk. every time. We run out of time. It's so true. But I love it because I feel like we could talk forever. And I love how I just get on with you and I'm like, hey, Laura, and you want to talk about this today? And you're like, sure, let's yeah, turn let's it on. It. And it's completely unscripted, you guys. Yeah. We we don't even know sometimes what our topic is until we talk <laughs> before the show. <laughs> and so unfortunately, that means sometimes uh it might be a little back and forth, but hopefully the, the concept, the overall sort of package is, uh, is helpful and is impactful for somebody. If anybody is able to take away from this, like, Hmm, maybe I do deserve a little bit more time. Maybe I do deserve a little bit more space. Maybe I can do that for myself today. That's good enough. Totally agree. All right. So best place to contact you is you can find me at Benaviri on Facebook. That's B-E-N-A-V-I-E-R-I or Benaviri.com. Awesome. All right. Until next time, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Moms with aspiration. Moms are inspirations. Moms in circulation. Moms at their workstations. Bump, 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 bump. They make a nation. Bump, this is a mom nation.